0: Lord, I ask today that as we turn to your word that you would help us to understand what we read, to taste it, to digest it, to comprehend it, to then put it to use. Thank you for your great love for us. In the name of Jesus, amen. Jesus said these words, for God so loved the world that he gave His only Son, that whoever believes in Him would not perish, but have everlasting life. For God did not send His Son to condemn the world, but that through Him it might be saved. Our talk this morning, and really every time we gather, is in the context of these words. And particularly today, our response to these words I don't know how they strike you this morning. I don't know what you're going through as you come here this morning. For me, these words are life-giving. They are hope-filled. Because there was a day in my life where I had proven that I wasn't too good at doing life. I'd made a lot of mistakes, and I had not found peace and joy in trying to make myself happy. I'm sure no one else has experienced this, but this is just my experience. I had thought that I was the one who should be in control of my life. I was the one that no one else had a better idea about what to do with my life than I did. I thought that making myself happy was the most important thing, and I thought that I was the best authority on the subject, and so I should pursue making myself happy. But what I found instead, when I was honest, was that my life was broken... I was hurt, I had been hurt, I had been used, I had been manipulated, I had been betrayed, and I had not found the ultimate peace and joy that I had been looking for in trying to make myself happy. I didn't much care for church or church people. In fact, I despised them for the most part, people that look just like you. And you're wonderful, how is that possible? But that was where I was. And when I got to the end of my rope, when I came to the end, and when I realized that I wasn't going to be able to fix this, that was where I met Jesus. That was where I made a turn. That was where I made a change. Those are these words. were life to me. I, I can be forgiven. I can be made clean. I can be healed. And so, when I turned, I started to every day try to put these words to the test and in them I found life I found peace I found joy I found change and and later I would I would go from having been at a place where I would wake up every day expecting things to go bad to now being at a place where I would wake up every day and have a context for expecting things to go good so the words that we're going to read this morning, to me, are life-giving because of that. Are you with me? So we're going to go to Psalm 95. Psalm 95. You can find it in the fast food section of your Bible that's in the middle where there's always something hot and fresh that's good for you, more, more good for you, healthier than fast food. Psalm 95. It's page 486 for me. I don't know about that is for you. Psalm 95. Come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us shout joyfully to the rock of our salvation. Let us come to him with thanksgiving. Let us sing psalms of praise to him, for the Lord is a great God and a great king above all gods. He holds in His hands the depths of the earth and the mightiest mountains. The sea belongs to Him, for He made it. His hands formed the dry land too. Come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord our Maker, for He is our God. We are the people He watches over, the flock under His care. If you would only listen to His voice today. The Lord says, Don't harden your hearts as Israel did at Meribah, as they did at Massah in the wilderness. For there your ancestors tested and tried my patience, even though they saw everything I did. For 40 years I was angry with them, and I said, they are a people whose hearts turn away from me. They refuse to do what I tell them, so in my anger I took an oath. They will never enter my place of rest. Whoa, okay, this song has some emotions. This song has some dynamics. It's, it's kind of like a, a roller coaster. But today I want to talk about worship. I want to focus on the earlier part of the psalm, the sixth verse in particular, but we've got to take the thing as a whole. And over the past few weeks... We've looked at Psalm 90, Psalm 91, Psalm 92. We've talked a little bit about the Psalms. But I want to set the context of our focus today with this. As a thank you to God who saved us through Jesus, we gather and we worship. We choose to start each week with moments where we think and feel about what he has already done for us. In that he first loved us and from that place we sing we dance or we should we shout we speak of his goodness we start with a focus on the miracle of salvation that has already been done for us by god through christ that's that's the context for this now the psalms what what are the psalms they're well they're collected prayers and songs They preserve in a poetic form the foundational understanding of the relationship between God and the human race through creation and redemption. They're arranged for congregational worship, like what we did this morning, as well as private devotion. Now, there's several authors. There's David and at least six other authors. These psalms are written anywhere from the time of Moses and the Exodus all the way up to 300 years before Christ. So it's a 700 year span that they were written and they were collected, compiled very carefully um, as things that were deemed important, the word of God, the inspiration, inspired words to help us in our relationship with God. And they're, they were pulled together and collected on three different occasions. We see this during the reign of King David in First Chronicles chapter 23 and verse 5. We see a second time during the rule of Hezekiah, written down in 2 Chronicles chapter 29 and verse 30, and a third time through Nehemiah at the time of Ezra and Nehemiah. And Nehemiah chapter 12 and verse 24. Now, the great diversity of authors and time frame and what's going on between God and his people give us some explanation as to why there's some duplication, why there's a great variety. But inset in them, there are instructions for how they're supposed to be used. So let's go back. Starting in verse 1. Come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us shout joyfully to the rock of our salvation. Let us come to him with thanksgiving. Let us sing psalms of praise to him. For the Lord is a great God and a great king above all gods. He holds in His hands the depths of the earth and the mightiest mountains. The sea belongs to Him, for He made it. His hands form the dry land too. Come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our Maker, for He is our God. I like the fact that the New Living didn't really change that part too much. We are the people He watches over, the sheep of His pasture, the flock under His care. If only you would listen to His voice today. So this song... Not, and not all of them do this, specifically kind of says in its words, hey, this is a call to worship. And everyone in this room is human, I think. In our human state, we need a call to worship. We don't like it. Some of you have had a call for me on the morning. Hey, are you coming? Some of you have come in and you've heard Chris say, now's the time to sing. Or let's shout, or let's clap, or let's stand. We don't always, I don't always like it when I hear that. But I have learned in my life that I benefit from it. I benefit from it. I benefit from somebody else telling me, hey, now's the time to worship. Whether I want to or not. Whether I like the worship leader or not whether I like the song or not, whether I like the style or not. This is just latent with potential comedy, I know. But I have found that when I respond to the call to worship, I benefit from it. There's help. There's something life-giving that happens in that experience, and and that's what we have. This is a call to worship. This is a, hey, all y'all... You know, much of the Bible is actually in the original language written in the grammar of plural. This is for all of us. This benefits all of us. And that's what we get here. I just briefly want to refer to the latter part of the psalm, which is a warning. Like, whoa, that got kind of weird and serious. And I know you might be wondering what that bad news is about, so let's just talk about that a little bit. It's kind of like the warning on a label, cigarettes. (coughs) It's saying, hey, let us not harden our hearts. Now this is specifically written about the particular events in the history of the nation of Israel. Specific events that took place. And for the sake of time, I'll just say, after hundreds of years of God proving his love, of God proving His provision, of God proving His faithfulness, people were complaining. I know no one in this room has ever complained, I know. But these people were. They were complaining, they were grumbling, they weren't happy. So the latter part of this psalm gives us a warning to not get impatient, to not turn away from God to find other things to worship, for there would follow consequences. And in particular, before the 40 years in the wilderness had really kicked off and God had really said, hey, you're going to get some punishment and here's why. One of the things that happened was God had called their leader Moses up to the mountain to give him his word, to give him his instruction, to give him further instructions for how they should live. And out of that comes the Ten Commandments. And what had happened? The people had gotten impatient. They would grabbed a hold of Aaron and they said, hey, make us an idol. We want something else to worship. They got impatient. They got dissatisfied. I think in part they didn't like the fact that they weren't getting an answer to their initial question right then and there. Now, I know no one else here has ever felt that way or experienced that, but I certainly have. I know what it's like to get impatient with God. Like, God, I've been asking you this question. Do you not hear me? Is this busy signal? It? I mean, we don't get busy signals anymore. <laughs> i dating myself there. <laughs> won't you pick up I gotta send you another text message I thought I had Jesus on the hotline I feel more like it's Oscar the Grouch I'm getting the silent treatment from God That's not always comfortable, and in fact, that's not always what's happening. A lot of times, our hurt and our pain and our sin and our mistakes and how we're spending our time, and if we are allowing our cravings to be the number one thing and the thing that dominates our attention the most, a lot of times we're not hearing an answer from God even though God is giving us an answer. That God is attempting to speak, but we have podcasts in our earbuds and streaming things going on constantly. We give five seconds to it, and I don't know, God's not speaking. But the whole five seconds, I was caught up with other things. You know what I'm talking about? So what we have in this song is a warning. Hey, don't get impatient with God. And in your impatience, look to worship other things. Because in that, there are serious consequences. I've known many miserable Christians. I myself have been a miserable Christian at times. A lot of times we can be miserable when we are worshiping other things. Still call ourselves a Christian, we still attend Christian events. Maybe still read our Bibles, maybe still do the things, maybe still dress the right way, talk the right way. But in our heart of hearts, what we have set our affection on, what we find the greatest pleasure in, we're actually not interacting with God as though He is God. And so we have a warning in this song that 's a little uncomfortable so let 's move on psalm chapter ninety five and verse six in particular we get this uh, we get this word to come, let us worship and bow down let 's talk about that just a little bit. come, let us worship and bow down. Does it really mean that? Is that still relevant today let 's let 's talk about that the The word literally does mean physically get down, bow in reverence, and not just get down for a show, to show somebody else that you can, but for God specifically. God our maker, God who carved the depth of the ocean, the deserts, the beach, the height of the mountains, our maker, and the one who cares for us as the sheep of his pasture. Let us bow in reverence before him to show deference to it. We actually get in the original language of this word, we get a word picture, kind of like a child placing their head in their parents' hands. And then some have translated the ancient Hebrew actually like a dog coming up next to a master who is standing and placing its head into the hand of the master it's positioning yourself in a place that shows submission like Kate talked about a place of I am not in control God you are in control it's a recognition that God is in control well this is Old Testament we don't need to worry about that right oh do we okay so let's talk about what Jesus has to say his followers ask him hey how should we pray what does he say we see Matthew 6 and Luke 11 the power tool that Jesus gives them the pattern of prayer for our daily interaction with God starts with our father who art in heaven hallowed be thy name what I think Jesus is trying to communicate with us because Jesus specifically says don't use words without meaning at another place when he's talking about prayer I think this is meant to be a pattern of our prayer and that our prayer should always start with a submission and an awe and a reverence and a God, you are powerful. And what I have yet to find at a time when I'm talking with a Christian who is really struggling is that they're able to worship and sing songs passionately and they're able to start their prayers with adoration for God that are passionate. Typically, those two things die first before the marriage falls apart, before the financial management falls apart, before addiction has its way. Passionate worship on God on a Sunday morning dies and an ability to adore God in our prayer dies first. So, Can I choose to set my affection on God? What did Jesus have to say of this? In John chapter 4, we read a story of Jesus talking with a woman who's hurting from broken relationships and searching for meaning in this life. Anyone ever hurt from broken relationships and look for meaning? What is this all about? Jesus talks about the way to eternal life that will cause someone who's desperate with thirst to be thirsty no more. In an attempt to change the subject, she asks a question about where and when we should worship God. And Jesus says this, the time is coming when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. He's saying it's not about the geographic location. Not everyone will worship at the temple in Jerusalem is what he's saying. The Father is looking for those whose spirit worship him that way. So what attitude in worship is acceptable to God? Well, to be thankful and Show love with reverent awe. Jesus specifically uses a word that to describe the Hebrew and other Eastern practices of worshiping God with physical acts that the Greeks themselves looked down upon. And she was Samaritan, but really the Greek culture what was, what dominant at that point. And he specifically talks about a physical action that's demonstrative that would have been looked down upon. And I gotta be honest with you, it's pretty much the same now. The average American, like, there's no problem if somebody's a part of a pagan religion, another religion, other mystical practices, and they do physical things with like that, but if Christians are gonna get down on their knees or clap or shout or dance, y'all are weird. Am I telling the truth? But Jesus uses specific words about physical action, and specifically about actions that show reverence and submission. So The New Testament teaches us, Ephesians chapter five, that we are we all are encouraged to sing psalms, hymns, spiritual songs to each other. Okay, skin kind of heavy. Let's take a little bit of a break. How, who, who needs a break? <laughs> okay, good, good. Let's talk about music just for a second. It's something that I think that's interesting about music. Music is an invisible phenomenon. Unless you saw rainbows coming out of the guitars today. It's an invisible phenomenon created by visible, tangible objects, musical instruments. Physicists classify music as light. The highest goal and purpose of music is to be a vehicle for God to express his own greatness, his glory, and his love to the human race. It's given for us humans to express our appreciation and our worship to God. Now I want to talk a little bit in the next few minutes about a teaching that is very important to us, my wife and I, our church, in part because of our root system in our home church in Portland, Oregon, and our network of churches in multiple countries. And that is something that we would call Psalmic worship, or in days past has been called the Tabernacle of David. Psalmic worship refers to the heartfelt, enthusiastic, expressive worship that is found throughout the Bible and described in detail in the book of Psalms. David and the other psalmists, they uncovered this wonderful foundational truth that emotional and physical responses are a natural part of our human makeup and they find their highest fulfillment in the worship of Almighty God. They described warmth satisfying, loving, emotional worship involving the whole person. And we see that psalmic worship uses a variety of aspects of our body. It uses our voice. And what you see on this screen is different references from the Psalms of each of these things that I'm mentioning. So psalmic worship, you are compelled, directed, you are told to. Y'all better be doing this, is kind of what the way it's expressed. To use our voice to praise God through speaking. Listen, I'm a human like you. I have bad days like you. The last couple of weeks I've not been feeling good physically. And it's easy for me to focus on that and just, how are you doing? Not very good. And I think we should be honest about what we're going through and honest about our feelings. And at the same time, I think that if we are honest about God-oriented truth, that it helps us. So don't pretend that you don't have the problem, you don't have the pain, you don't have the ailment. Confess it and confess with your voice what you know to be true about God. Well, I know that I didn't bring myself into this world. And I believe that God created this earth and Adam and Eve and he creates all human life. Hello? And so God must have an idea. And I believe because I've read in the scripture and I've heard other people say it's been their experience too, that God is overflowing with love. In fact, that God has forgiven the mistakes and the mess ups and the whatever words insert there that people have done for thousands of generations. So in whatever state I am in today, I will declare a truth about God. And then what I do is I take the truth that I've expressed about my lousy week, and I take the truth about God that is still true, which is more powerful, and I bring them together. Words unite. Now, this is for your benefit. Speaking the truth, singing our praise and our adoration of God. Did it say the ones that have the gift of singing? No, it quite specifically does not. So whether you like the sound of your own voice or not, we see you in heaven, you're going to do some singing. And guess what? God loves it when you sing. Somebody needed to hear that this morning shouting. I thought that was only for Pastor Ben. No, it's for you too. Using our hands. I don't know what environment you grew up in, but let me tell you something. If you're in a worship environment where the hands are at the sides, it's not biblical. Oh yeah, I said it. I love all believers in whatever their practice and I will respect our differences, but when we get to heaven, they're going to have a shock. Because biblical psalmic worship is (laughs) lifting your hands. Clapping your hands. This is a church where we believe in this and where you can do it. Felt the need to say that because sometimes I think you'd rather give money than clap your hands. (laughs) I said it. I said it. Using instruments. String instruments, wind instruments, percussion instruments. We would get Chris to bring his saxophone on a Sunday or Rebecca to bring her flute, right? Percussion instruments. Now I know we have fellow believers that don't believe in musical instruments and I love them and I respect them and I've had some great relationships with them. But again, heaven is going to be a surprise. Psalmic worship, body posture, bowing, standing... Dancing. I, I have seen references to being in awe of God, reflecting, meditating while seated, but I actually have not found references of worshiping God while seated. Just throwing that out there. Bowing. What does that mean? I'm so glad you asked. Let me show you. This is kneeling. This is biblical bowing. That posture is me putting myself down before God to say with my body, God, you are more powerful than me. Now, at different times, I tell different parts of my story the transformation that I went through in my own life in the early days of interacting with God. Let me tell you something. If you ever find me joyful, it would not have come if not for many hours on my face, in private, indoors, outdoors, in public, in churches, coming to a place of, I don't care what anybody else thinks. i got to connect with God. And I see this posture in Scripture. I don't like that. It doesn't make me feel comfortable. Heaven's going to be rough. Maybe the ground will be softer than it is here. I don't know. Bowing, standing, dancing. What we see in psalmic worship is it is a whole person experience. So let me give you just a few phrases to talk about that. The mind receives the glory of God in part. The heart believes. The will is summoned. You do need to make a choice. Yeah. Let, me just, let me just comment on that for a second. If God did not give us a choice if we would believe in Jesus as Savior... This is, do you realize this is why Jesus ascended to the Father after His resurrection? Because in the 40 days, all 500 people that saw Him chose to believe. If God doesn't give us a choice to believe in Him as Savior, to worship Him, then love isn't love, it's rape. If your response is commanded, it's not love, it's rape. God gives you a choice. If it wasn't a little bit difficult to worship, if you didn't have to choose to get over yourself, to get over your personal preferences, do you know that this morning I woke up and I had pain and all sorts of body parts. I did not want to come. I didn't. I wanted to stay home. If I don't have some kind of obstacle, if there isn't some thing where it's actually a choice on my part, it's not a love relationship with God anymore. The mind receives, the heart believes, the will is summoned. Will you choose? Many, many, do some word studies, many, many scriptures about will you choose? Respond, make a decision, you can do it. The will is summoned, the emotions are ignited. Now, listen, my dad is a stoic person. He has emotions, but most people are not aware that they exist. People often are checking for a pulse with him. And he passionately (laughs) worships God, just not the way that I do. He's not as demonstrative. hes I mean, he is somewhat when he preaches, but besides that, pretty much no. He's like... "Mm." His emotions still get ignited in the presence of God. They're just not the same as mine. So you understand? Being emotional does not make you more spiritual. But it also doesn't make you less spiritual. God created emotions. And to whatever degree your emotions are, God has created them. Now what happens through trauma in human relationships is that we can, our emotions can start to die and start to fade and we can lose contact with them and lose an ability to interact with them. And we need healing for our emotions to be fully ignited. I want you to understand what I'm saying today and what I'm not saying. I am not saying... That if your emotions aren't like mine in worship, if your outward demonstrativeness is not like mine in worship, then it's not biblical worship. I am not saying that. Each one of us is unique. But what I am saying is that the Bible gives us a clear instruction that we should all choose to step out of our comfort zone and do something that seems a little bit weird to show with our physical body that God is more important than we are. Now for you, that might be kneeling. For you, it might be dancing. For you, it might be clapping. I don't know. And this is a safe place. And what that means is that we want you to just take one step. Don't try to sprint to be where somebody else is in their walk with Jesus. But just take one step closer in your walk with Jesus. Is this making sense? It's really important that you don't come away with guilt or pressure. Does that make sense? The will is summoned, the emotions are ignited, the body expresses, okay? In some way, the body expresses. The life shows forth Christ. This is what I think is really important for us to also understand. Worship is for our recovery, restoration, reviving, redemption, and refreshing. There are some things... In your journey with God, in your journey of loving God and receiving God's love for you, there are some aspects of this relationship of the healing, of the recovery, of the reviving and refreshing that are not going to happen until you engage in worship. I can pray for you, but I am not you, and so I cannot say to God what you need to say to God. Jesus is coming into the city before his crucifixion and everybody's praising him and they're shouting his praises and somebody says, ah, stop this, stop this. If we didn't, the rocks would cry out. Here's the thing. We try to set an environment to make it as easy as possible for you to worship. But only you can thank God for what he has done for you. Nobody else. And so there's certain aspects of coming to life, of coming to healing, of coming to refreshing, that you're not going to experience until you engage in psalmic worship at a level that is uncomfortable for you. Pastor Ben, I don't believe that. I think you're off base. That's okay. Check it out in the scriptures for yourself. I don't I try very hard that nothing in a message on a Sunday morning is straight my opinion, but can all be investigated in the Scriptures. This is straight from the Scriptures. Does God want to make me uncomfortable? Well, yes. If what you mean by uncomfortable is your carnal flesh, insecurity, fear, or pride if that's caught up in your comfort level. Are you with me? Now, for us as a worship team, there's a group of us, we choose the songs that we sing, we choose how we sing them, and we do that carefully. We choose some songs that are very simple, have lots of repetition, because for some people that's a a really good way to, to get involved and to be able to focus on God more than anything else and be aware of God's presence. And we particularly choose some songs that are quite wordy. And in particular where the words are quite biblical and where the words have sound biblical theology now this is because we want you to have a full experience um, let me let me read it to you this way we want you to engage with your intellect, with your emotions, with your decision-making, with your memory of what God has done for you personally, with your understanding of scripture and what you've been learning about God. We want it to be a whole person experience for you. And here's something that I have learned. Most people and most churches are going to settle into a particular style that they like the most. But what I have found is that when we settle into a particular style that we like the most, we miss out on a fuller expression of who God is. And the fact of the matter is, is that this on a Sunday morning is not a concert. If it was, we could do better. Honestly. We've got some really good musicians in the church. We could just do a performance piece and you could just chill and enjoy it and be inspired. Well, you got YouTube you could stay home and do that. Yeah. Hello? Honestly, this it's not a concert. it's not a performance piece. Being a Christian being a church is not an event you attend. Right. It's your engagement with God and when we come together to go on that journey together. Yeah. Are you with me? Yeah. So our response to this today has a few different levels. You see on the screen personal. Now, I think it's probably going to be a whole lot easier for you. The first time that you bow down before God to respond to this verse, is easiest is probably going to be at home in your bedroom. Right? That's probably going to be the easiest place. And just, just beware, if you choose your bed first, you, you might have some sleep that quickly comes. So, might be, you know, I, I had a meeting with uh, Pastor Sheets and, 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 and Counselor Pillow. And soon I was in the Lord's presence. Not really aware of what's going on. Now, so you might need to get a worship song, put it on, put it on loud maybe. And and trying it in your bedroom alone first is probably the easiest way to do it. And if you take anything from today's message, try to start your day or start your time with God. Maybe you, you choose the evening for your time with God. That's when you're at your best. Start your time with God with adoration. He doesn't need you to run a marathon in Bible reading or memorization and reciting prayers. Start with a meaningful moment with adoration of God personally. Now, second, what you see on the screen is with a few people. This is what we try to do when we meet in our life groups. We meet in homes and other settings. and uh, You can worship, you can adore God with just a few people. And in that case, you're not really on a timeline, on a schedule, kind of like we are when we gather here. So it can be easier. Right? To just kind of flow and to go as long as you want or short as you want, etc. But then third, the response to this is also when we gather. We as a church need to understand what we're doing and why we're doing it. And this psalm, particularly verses 1-7, through are very helpful to us. Let's worship God. You know, I I used to smoke. I really enjoyed smoking, to be honest with you. I don't know for 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 some reason, even from the very first day of smoking, I found it particularly easy. Um, I didn't have the problem that a lot of other a lot of other people have uh, when they smoke. But what I found is that quitting is not easy. And in, in fact, there's medical research about this, that the quitting smoking chemically, what's going on in your body, is actually similar to ending a heroin habit. And there was a study that was done of people that were quitting smoking, and over the, the, the number of people, the percentage of people that were able to quit completely just by themselves with no AIDS was zero. The percentage of people that were able to quit with just using a tool, like a patch or some other thing, was 5%. But the percentage of people that were able to quit using a tool and a community of other people to help them quit was 45%. Well, we're not talking about stopping doing something bad. What we're talking about is starting to do something good. What I've done today is put a tool in your hand, and what I want to do now is to help us in community to worship together. So, the worship band like to ask you to just return, and we're going to close our time together with another worship song to give us a chance to respond to this. This is a really big subject, and I'm going to post notes up with audio on our website and our podcast apps because there are a lot more verses and notes that I'd like for you to read on this subject. This is a really important subject to you. Uh, Let me just pray real quick and then we'll sing a song. God, we love you. We believe that you are who you said you are, that you are a wonderful God. Would you please help us to respond to this psalm, to come together to sing to you, to shout joyfully to you, the God of our salvation. Help us to give you thanks, to sing praises because you are the great God, the God above all of the gods, the God who has carved the depths of the ocean and the height of the mountains. Help us to come worship and bow down, to kneel before the Lord, our maker, to remember that you are the God that takes care of us.